welcome to Refinex again. We have a very interesting guest today. We have Karen Weeks. She's going to be talking about how to build a development program for new managers. And I think it's a very important topic as well, right? Uh, so uh, Karen, over to you. Would you be able to give a short description, uh, I mean, introduction about you to the audience here? Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much for having me. Um, so my name is Karen Weeks. I am based in Brooklyn, New York, and I am both the head of HR, you know, head of people for a company called Order Groove, which is a tech company here in the city. Um, and then I also run my own coaching practice as well. Uh, and for my whole HR career, my favorite part has been focusing on helping people with their careers. And I often, especially as an HR partner, uh, helped managers specifically in their careers. So really excited to talk about this topic. Topic. I think, especially in smaller companies, HR folks are pulled in so many different directions that it's hard for us to give the time to new managers because they're doing a whole new job. They Just because they were great at what they used to do to now be a manager is a completely different job. And so hopefully today we'll talk about some really actionable things that we can help either HR partners, the leaders and you know managers of the managers or the managers themselves really know, okay, these are some key things I need to learn as a new manager. Oh, yeah, perfect. I, I think that sounds really great, uh, Karen. So um, uh, I'm just thinking about what do we discuss first, right? So uh, uh, do you have a flow in mind of what do you want to talk about? Uh, because for me, when I'm thinking about the uh, first question that I would probably ask you is that, uh, is, uh, is this uh, the program that you're talking about, development program for new managers? Mm-hmm. Uh, is it quite common in the industry now in companies or is it something which is very niche, right? not many companies have it. I think bigger companies probably have it. Um, when I was at another company, my part of my job was actually to build out a manager training program. Um, and so we had a whole suite of things. Some of it was online. Um, some of it was in person. And it really broke down both the day-to-day skills, like hiring and giving feedback and some of those things, as well as the softer skills of influencing others and teaching others how to do their job, managing up, building relationships with your peers. So I do think bigger companies that maybe have full L&D teams might have new manager programs or like a university that managers go through. I think especially because I usually work with smaller companies, that's where it's harder because the, the HR team itself is not that big. And so they're trying to do a million different things. Understood, understood. Uh, I think uh, that is, uh, I mean, you're talking about smaller companies and I, I suppose people who are listening as well, uh, there might be a lot of uh, HR professionals who are going to be listening to this uh, mm-hmm. conversation, right? So I suppose uh, they would have questions regarding how do we start, right? Where do we yeah. start? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think the most important thing is, is that you don't need all this curriculum. You don't have to take the time to build out this really robust thing. Honestly, managers just need a partner and some key tools to help them in their journey. So both at Order Groove and then also when I help managers either through my coaching programs or other ways that I work with them, it's more focused on the coaching, not training. And I think that was a new revelation I had over the last few years is that, yes, clearly they need support in how do I literally interview someone as a manager? How do I assess good talent? So here's a one pager, right? And like how to do that or a 10 minute video and how to do that. Now let's actually talk about it as you're doing it and hear from your peers and how they're doing it. So at Order Groove, we do monthly manager roundtables where, yes, sometimes there's some pre planned content that I may share, 
but it's four or five slides at the most. And it's more about what's going on in your world. How can I help you with the specific topic? Share your best practices or your learnings with your peers. And that's all it has to be. I mean, yes, you can make it some huge, robust thing, but I think a lot of times HR folks, myself included, get stuck thinking it's got to be this beautiful program with all these slides and these things and the da-da-da. It can just be a conversation because as HR partners, we we know what they, they need to know. It's just carving out the time to share that with them and give them the space to ask the questions. Yeah, you did say that, okay, when you mentioned that having that conversation, right? So, mm-hmm. um, but when you're building a program, I, I would say that you would have some uh, set processes or some set curriculum that you'd be building, right? Yeah. Uh, so w- what is um, that that you need to keep in mind when you're building something? Yeah. Because you said that in your previous organization, you built out a program. Mm-hmm. When you built out, built it out, did you uh, probably you went through a lot of materials to identify mm-hmm. what would be best. Uh, so you must have figured out something that actually works. Right? Uh, can you shed some light on that? Yeah, absolutely. So basically the curriculum that I built or the topics that I go through with uh, managers, even if it's more casual, it basically follows the employee life cycle and then throws in some relationship building. So as a manager, how do I hire and identify great talent? What do I actually need in a role? What are the interview questions? Who do I need to be part of the interview team? So all of the things to better uh, understand hiring. Then it's onboarding. How am I going to create an onboarding plan, set goals, set this new person up for success and what's my role as a manager versus other people on the team. Um, Then it's development and feedback, understanding how to create development plans, how to give positive feedback, constructive feedback, all of the pieces of feedback that we know is hard for everybody, but especially new managers. Then it's around recognition and motivation. So you've got these amazing people on their team. Not everybody likes to be recognized the same way. Not everybody likes to be motivated the same way. So what do the individuals on your team need from you as a manager to help them be successful and stay engaged and excited in what they do? Then we start talking more about Uh, As an internal HR person, I do also talk about like performance management and performance improvement plans and God forbid you have to let someone go. Um, That's a little uh, harder sometimes because it's such a sensitive and individualized topic. So maybe it's something you bring up in the training, but then say like, and talk to your HR partner if you have this situation, because it's such a a circumstantial uh, piece. There may be a process, but the individual situations are so specialized. Um, so that's sort of the employee lifecycle piece. And then I also include topics around what is your management style and how does that differ from the people on your team or how is it the same? So DISC, Myers-Briggs, StrengthsFinders, whatever you like to use, but you know, are you more introverted and you work with extroverts? Do you like a lot of data, but other people tend to go on gut feeling like, so what does that sort of dynamic look like for you and the team and then relationship building? So as a manager, you now have manager peers that are real, just as important, honestly, as your direct reports. So building those relationships, managing up. So you're probably working with a more senior leader on the team, whether directly or just the work that you're doing is um, influencing other people. Um, so those are some of the relationship pieces that I also really help managers through as well. Right. Um, I did pick about... Uh pick up something that you mentioned about DISC and Maya Briggs, uh, mm-hmm. right? So uh, that is interesting because uh, 
because all people are different right and everyone yes. has different personality they're introverts they're extroverts and uh, so when and the development program probably is not catered uh, in which it is like one size fits all right mm-hmm. uh, so how do you identify what would be, be the best approach that you need to take with a specific person Yeah, that's a great question. So I really do, again, whether you literally use DISC or what, or you just ask some of those leading questions of somebody to get to know them, that will really help you understand what they need out of you as a coach and an HR partner, uh, and then also how they are going to best relate with their teams. And I use real life examples, you know, as a employee myself, I had a manager once that was much more big picture uh, kind of last minute in their project planning. Cause they liked the journey. While at the time I was very task oriented. I liked milestones. I wanted a project plan. Um, and so she and I were very conflicted in the work that we did together until we understood that was the difference between us. And we were able to actually leverage both of those strengths on our projects. So I kind of helped us uh, map things out to make sure we were hitting milestones. And especially if we needed something from someone else, making sure we got that, not waiting to the last minute. She was really good about helping me see the bigger picture and stay open. So as new information came in, I didn't feel like I was redoing my work all the time because it was part of the journey is to get this new information along the way. So really we became like the yin and yang to each other. And so I think when you coach people, like I said, with you know, as an HR partner or, or however you're working with them, having those real life examples, I think can be really helpful. So then when I ask a manager, so how do you like to take in information? Do you need to see something up front, read it through, digest it and come with ideas? Or do you like to brainstorm live when they sort of aren't sure why I'm asking those questions? I have my own stories to share of like, because if I, if you don't know this about someone, this is where it can actually hurt the relationship versus strengthen it. Yeah, that, 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 that actually makes sense, uh, Karen. Uh, so um, yeah, what I was thinking is um, when, when you're talking about a new manager, right? So um, mm-hmm. there are uh, a lot of cases in which uh, I think managers, uh, uh, the biggest skill that they need to have is um, people management skills, right? Mm-hmm. Communicate, building relationships with uh, your peers. And uh, I think, for me, uh, being a manager, one of the key strengths should be uh, the person should be empathetic. Yes. Uh, yes. So when you when someone is actually uh, moved up to a managerial post, um, and then you find when when you have a conversation with them that they don't have the necessary skills for that. Mm-hmm. Right? You feel like oh they're cold, or they are either ex- introverted. Mm-hmm. Um, how is that uh, you as an HR professional or like a business partner, how do you cope with that? Do you uh, try to uh, talk to them and uh, give them some insights on how they can improve? Or like, or do you say that, hey, this person isn't fit to be a manager. Why did you promote? <laughs> you have that on your mind. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, it's a great question. And I think, you know, more and more people are thinking about their career. And I think sometimes we feel the pressure that we're supposed to take a step into management. Um, and I work in the tech space. There are some brilliant engineers that have no interest in being managers, and that's totally okay. You see it on the sales side too. Some people just like being salespeople and they don't want to move into management. Um, so I think the if I see someone struggling with some of those key basic skills like empathy, that is a very hard thing to teach. You may do it in a different way, which is totally fine. And I can kind of talk about that in a second, but if it literally is not a skill you have, that's a real hard one to teach. So one question I always ask is why did you become a manager? Because that will also help you assess their will to try to change or find their way to do it best. So if there's, you know, if they talk about it's because I want to help people develop and I want to help people grow and I don't need to be the one doing it all the time. I want to uh, empower others and teach others how to do it. At least they're saying the right things. And so maybe there's a, a potential there to help them out and, and help them develop. If they talk more about, well, this is the next step in my career. And like, if I want to be a CTO, I need to be a manager. Then maybe it's a slightly different conversation and it's worth reconsidering if management is right for them. And I've had some folks that have taken that step and either self-selected or we helped them realize um, that management was not the right path for them. And we found other ways for them to grow their careers. Um, because I think to your point, like clearly some of those skills are important. So then if you do have someone who is in it for all the right reasons and, and wants to improve their empathy or maybe has a very specific style and needs to sort of figure out how to stretch to hit up to, to work with others, then it comes down to okay, let's give them some tools. Like, so what is empathy? It's assuming best intentions. It's treating the person in front of you just as a human first. It's asking questions. It's listening. So then you can hopefully help them build those skills and in scenarios that they have on their teams. And this is where I think coaching versus training is really helpful because as a trainer, I'm going to tell you the things you are supposed to do. As a coach, I can say, so tell me about a conversation you had this week that didn't go as planned or like you didn't show that empathy card. How could we have done it differently? What's a conversation that you have coming up that you're worried about? And let's make sure you're really prepared to demonstrate the empathy that's important in this conversation. So you can really use those case studies and live scenarios uh, to help someone through those moments and, and hopefully build those skills further in, in the way that feels genuine to them. What I took off from this, the, the, the conversation that you just mentioned is um, um, the conversation that the manager has with the uh, HR business partner, right? Um, first thing that came to my mind is that there should be a really good uh, relationship between the HR business partner and the manager for him to mm -hmm. open up about things that he did wrong, right? Yeah. So I I believe so. the first step here is to build that relationship, a trust-based relationship between the HR team mm -hmm. and the employees. So, uh, and um, if that is not the case, then I, I don't see any point in a conversation at all because they, they it would be a random conversation because people tend to view the HR department or the HR reaching out to them as uh, uh, as a state where, okay, they've done something wrong. That's why the HR is coming up yes, to them, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, am I being fired? So <laughs> how do you change that mentality? Uh, you being an uh, HR leader, yeah. I think you have that in your mind, right? How do you make the HR team uh, like uh, closely knit with the employees wherein they can come and open up about anything that they want? Like they want to view the HR team as uh, their personal advisors, right? Yes. How, how do you yes. build that relationship with the employees? Yeah, I- I think there's a couple of different ways. One is to it to remember it takes time to build trust. Mm-hmm. So whether you are new to the organization or you're sort of resetting what HR is in your organization, it's going to take a little time. And so you have to be purposeful in those conversations. Reach out to folks where you are just having conversations about how are you? How's your, how are you doing? What's going on in your world? What's a project you're working on? So you're getting to know them and their work separately from any sort of formal HR conversation. Um, so, so you need to be more purposeful. And then when people do reach out to you, building that trust based on your reactions to things. So uh, for example, um, throughout most of my career, you know, I've talked a lot about, I am a safe person to talk to about your mental health. I'm not a therapist. I'm, I'm not here to talk to you medically, but like, it's okay to say to me, I struggle with depression. I struggle with anxiety. I'm feeling it really tough right now. You know, is there something we can do to help my workload or whatever the conversation they need to have? I need to make sure that if someone takes me up on that, I really am present in that conversation and I live up to everything that I've promised as a ally in that moment. And then they hopefully will share that with others. You know, oh, you're, you're kind of stressed out right now too, or you're burned out. You know, I talked to Karen about it and it actually was kind of helpful. Maybe you should talk to her too, or Karen helped me think through how to talk to my manager about that. You should talk to her too. And then sort of like spreads through the organization that I'm not the scary HR person, you know, sitting there just waiting to to fire you or putting you on a performance plan. Um, So I think both being purposeful in having conversations that are not HR related, Mm -hmm. and then being there for people when they do reach out to build that trust further goes a long way. Um, You know, I try to have, you know, our organization is bigger now, so I definitely can't do it at the same scale I used to, but I try to have recurring one-on-ones with folks, even if it's once every six months, just to say hi, or if it's not a conversation, it's a Slack message or, you know, Hey, I just saw it was your birthday. I hope you had a great weekend or thought about you over the new year, just human connections. Um, so that again, I'm not just this like random HR person, especially now that we're all remote. I have not met maybe not quite half. I haven't met like 40% of our organization in person. Um, which is very strange to me, but like it, I'm used to companies that are more in person or at least with offices that I go visit and I eventually meet them. So, so I think it's even more important in, in a remote space to really build that connection because they won't bump into you in the kitchen like they used to. Yes. Uh, so when we are talking about uh, the development plan for managers, mm-hmm. um, I think the first step for me, what I think about because of the insights that you gave is to have a business partner who is able to understand people, right? Uh, yes. Because at some, at a lot of times uh, HR people uh, would be always sometimes process oriented. So mm-hmm. uh, the, the fundamental step or the first building block is to have someone who is a, a people person or who can connect with people, who can instill that confidence in other people saying that, hey, 
the conversation that you're, you're having is secure, you're safe. It's, it's, it's going to be really uh, personal that I'm going to keep, right? So to build a trust-based relationship. So I think that would be the first step to have someone who can do that. And then after that, after you have that foundation is when you actually build the uh, development program. Uh, yeah. Do you agree with that, Karen? I do. I mean, I think you can start to do a little bit in parallel because through those conversations, you're also going to hear uh, either feedback on where managers are feeling the most stuck or feedback from the team of what they need out of their more out of their managers. So you can build that into the program as well. Um, so I think both of those are true. And I think I'd also share too, finding champions within the organization that also can be mentors for new managers. And again, those come from some of those conversations. If I meet with someone and I'm like, oh, they seem to be a really strong manager. And I hear that from a couple of other folks, maybe they can be a mentor to another new manager who's learning the ropes. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think um, as much as HR is, you know, understanding the business these days. And, you know, I, when I first started, I listened in on sales calls. I listened in on client calls. Um, I can't do a line of code to save my life, but I understand sprint planning and retros and grooming. And, you know, I understand what their life is like, even if I can't do their job, obviously. Um, so I think that gives me some credibility, but I think having someone else they can turn to, um, who's been in their shoes is also really powerful. And so as an HR partner, I can help identify those folks. So whether, you know, in my, the training program I built out in my last company, I actually had co-facilitators in all the uh, meetings that I did of other, of more senior managers. So, you know, they can share their stories. So it adds some uh, real lifeness to the trainings. Mm-hmm. I also now like with the round tables, the reason why I do the round tables is it's an encouragement of peer conversation. So it's not just me sharing my thoughts or my advice, you know, someone who just went through that because, oh, this is the thing that worked for me or, oh my gosh, I totally get it. I'm struggling with that too. What is What have other people thought of? So there's that peer connection. And again, by building those relationships, I can help identify who those people are for folks. Perfect, perfect. Coming back to the development program as such, Karen, mm-hmm. I was just thinking, uh, because you said uh, you were mentioning that you developed the program, right? So what are the things that you uh, took into account while building it, right? So what is the step one, step two, step three? And uh, just, just to give uh, the folks who's listening an uh, yeah. idea of how they can actually build one. If you can just yeah. uh, kind of uh, explain or enumerate on that, that'd be really great. Yeah, absolutely. So I think one thing I took into account was we, and you actually started to ask this earlier, sort of the learning styles of different people. So um, without making it too heavy, because, you know, I'm a, I'm a small team, I don't have this huge L&D team that I'm working with, um, is to think about different ways people learn. So setting an agenda for a call or a training ahead of time and sharing that out so people know what to expect so they can come with some planned questions, having a worksheet or a one-sheeter that I can leave with them afterwards so they have a takeaway, Uh, having a couple of slides but not being slide heavy. Um, So it is more conversational, but some people like to look at something when they're they're trying to think something through, sharing that out, recording it and sharing that out um, so they have a reference point. So just trying to think about all the different ways people learn and as best as possible kind of hitting on all of those. Mm -hmm. And then I think the other biggest piece of advice that I would give is when building a program, start with something, try it out, and then build out the rest. Uh, that was a mistake I made in the past. I built out literally this like six month program, soup to nuts, had everything ready, 
before I did one damn training. And so, you know, we hadn't tried it out yet. We didn't know if the uh, e-learning system was going to be the best way. How is the classroom going to go? Like none of that. We just built it all um, and learned along the way. And we didn't have to like dump things, but it definitely, I, I wasted time building it all out before I actually got it in front of the humans that I cared about and was trying to help. So try one or two sessions, see how they go, uh, and then build it out from there. That makes perfect sense. Uh, so it's like an iterative step that you want to take like yes. goals and then you, for a bigger uh, inclusive plan, right? So it's it, splitting it into smaller steps, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So uh, you did talk about e-learning, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, also, uh, I've seen organizations organize, uh, uh, organization organize, that kind of rhymes now. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, organize uh, these uh, leadership training or manager training. They hire someone from outside to do sessions, mm-hmm. right? That's actually a cost to the company, right? Mm-hmm. So people starting out the development program, do you recommend doing that? Because that's actually very easy, right? Outsourcing things mm-hmm. to someone. Or do you recommend trying out something smaller initially before even proceeding to that? Yeah, it's a great question. And I'm actually going to give an obnoxious answer, but let me explain why. Um, it really depends on your organization, your culture. There are some organizations where the HR team isn't seen as that coach and advisor. So you might get better results by having someone from the outside because they're the credible person. They're the objective person. Maybe they feel more comfortable having a a coach that's external versus relying on their HR team. And that's not slam against HR. Like I'm sure they're a great HR team. That just isn't how they're seen in the organization. Some organizations actually are the complete opposite where bringing in someone from the outside, they feel like an outsider, they don't get us. And so they tune out and having the HR person lead it internally is actually the better answer. So so I would ask uh, two questions of an HR team about if you're thinking about outsourcing this or not. One, you know, what is what are your priorities and your bandwidth and how quickly and effectively can you get this out? Like literally as a, as in your own human trying to get their work done. Um, and how does that fit into the plans and the needs of the organization? And then two, you know, what is your culture when it comes to who will have the best results in driving the development and the change of the managers? Is it the HR team? Is it the HR team in partnership with the leadership team? Is it an outside person? Is it actually a combination of both? Um, one organization I know hired a coach to do the like main kickoff training pieces and then worked with the HR team to be the coaches sort of moving forward. Um, but that way the HR team wasn't bogged down with creating the content, but they were then the internal coaches moving forward and they were part of those trainings. So they were, you know, a part of the face of it. So it really kind of depends on what's right for your organization, but those are the two questions I would ask uh, as an HR person of myself to figure out the right answer. Oh, that, that's really perfect. I don't think it was an obnoxious, uh, obnoxious yeah. answer, but it, I think it, it was it a perfect. It depends is sometimes obnoxious. <laughs> it depends, yes. I wanted to ask you about yeah. building the programs, right? So you are building the programs and uh, I, I suppose uh, building the program is one thing, but at the end, uh, would you be able to, how do you measure that success of the program, right? Because 
uh, you can build as much as programs that you want, but what is the input and what is the output, right? Uh, do you, what is your recommendation or what is your suggestion on how do you measure a development program? Yeah, it's a great question. I use feedback from key stakeholders. So um, whether that is starting with a 360, and again, it could be light, it could be through SurveyMonkey, like I'm not saying it has to be like this heavy lift, but some sort of 360 feedback from the direct reports, the manager themselves, um, it may be a peer, definitely their manager. So you really kind of understand current state, like a starting point, mm -hmm. and then doing uh, 360 either once the program is complete, or if it's sort of an ongoing thing, you know, whether that's every six months or whatever's right for your organization. So you can hopefully see that feedback change as the manager's getting coached and trained on all the key things. So whether that is already built into your performance review cycle, whether that is, like I said, kicking off a program with a 360 and then doing something again at the end, um, but doing some sort of, this is where we started and this is where we are as we move through this. Um, and again, it can just be qualitative feedback too. You know, uh, I feel like my manager, you know, is asked questions about like, how does the manager develop their team? And, you know, is that a strength or not? And see what they say and then see what they say six months later. Okay. Uh, so, oh, that, that makes sense. So let's say someone got promoted and then you will probably, uh, uh, as you said, 360, right? 360 mm -hmm. surveys, you're going to do it for the managers and uh, you get the results and see, okay, let's say the 360 is based out on a score of five. You see, okay, this mm -hmm. is what it is. Okay, this team management skill is this, 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 this. And then after six months, you again measure it. And yes. yeah, that, that, and so, but when that happens, there might be issues where it might not be related to your training program mm -hmm. instead it is related to that person itself. So yeah. uh, let's say if the, you did uh, the development program for 20 people mm -hmm. and uh, you kind of found out that 10 of them uh, is, uh, has improved and 10 of them have improved, right? So how do you identify what went wrong here? Yeah, it's a great question. I think with everything, this is just one way the manager is hopefully developing and learning. Mm -hmm. um, they're also getting different experiences. They themselves, like I can only help them to a point. They have to help themselves as well. Um, so usually what I do is I look at the results and I say, and I kind of look for themes around, oh, you know, a majority of the people, you know, improved in this one area or um, for people who didn't seem to improve, I work with their manager to see, you know, what might have been the roadblock, maybe, you know, training's not for them and they do better one-on-one -on -one or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, it's, it's rare when I see a full program, not succeed in some way, there might be modules that maybe need to be updated or were not as impactful or, um, maybe were too complex and so they didn't sort of hit upon it or I thought it was going to move the needle here and it really didn't. Um, so I think there's always pieces and that's part of the learning and adjusting piece. Um, but usually what I see is there's enough improvement throughout their program and it's more about the something going on with those individuals. And that's not to say like my programs are the best. Of course they did everything they were supposed to, but it's just, it's not the only thing. If you think about like customer NPS, you know, you know so much goes into that. Um, it's similar to, you know, learning and development. There's so much that goes into someone being successful. This is just one piece of it. Yep. Uh, that does make sense, uh, <laughs> Karen. Uh, so uh, 
I did have this question where, um, do you also get feedback for your program as well, right? Let's say after yes. the program is done, do you ask, send out, uh, do you send out a survey or is it both a qualitative and a quantitative uh, analysis that you do? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so I, uh, as part of the wrap up 360, the managers also get a separate survey around like their own learning and their feedback for, for me or the facilitator or the program or whoever around, you know, what were your goals? Do you feel like you achieved those goals? Um, what was missing from the program? What feedback would you have, you know, on a rating of, I usually do one to five because I think one to 10 is too big, but on a rating of one to five, would you recommend this to another manager? Um, you know, those sort of questions so that there's my own development as a manager. Um, and then there's feedback for the program and facilitators and, and that uh, piece of it as well. Perfect. Uh, so do you have open-ended questions on this feedback as well? Like to, uh, instead of just rating, yeah. right? Yes. Any survey I do, whether it's a culture survey, feedback forms, survey on a training, I always have both quantitative and qualitative mm -hmm. um, because you know, we all have rating biases. We all sort of think about it differently. Sometimes we're nice and we want to give higher scores. Sometimes we're harsher and we give lower scores. So I think the scores are helpful because of course it's easier to track, but I think the comments are actually where you get the real meat of someone's feedback. And like I said, I do this on culture surveys as well for companies. I think it's so important because that's where you better understand what was driving those scores and you can get much more context on it. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's true. That's true. And, and us being a, a survey platform as well, right? Uh, so so uh, it's good that you're talking about surveys yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and how important it is. So yeah, yeah. that's actually really nice. Uh, so just uh, going back to uh, the topic of, uh, I, I have this thing, I've read this case, I, I suppose it was a couple of years back where um, there was a case where it was talking about diversity uh, mm. and, uh, and also people from different places, right? So uh, culture, right? How culture okay. affects uh, the manager's uh, way of doing things, right? So uh, what that case was talking about is there's this very uh, successful manager in the US and this mm. company opened up an office in Europe, right? Mm -hmm. So they sent him there and he failed miserably there. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and uh, uh, the case was talking about how it was different uh, in terms of the culture and how people in Europe perceived uh, the managerial style, right? Mm -hmm. So is that also something that you look at uh, when, um, uh, also when you're hiring ma new managers as well, right? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I tend to focus it more on their ability to represent our values and how they are going to do that in their own way. Mm -hmm. um, so there's one manager that I've worked with in the past um, who has said very blatantly, like, look, where I come from, we are very black and white. We are very direct. This, you know, I don't, I'm purposely not listing countries or whatever, because I don't want to like, you know, stereotype anyone else from that's what he's telling me. Um, and he says, I realize that doesn't work for some folks. And um, especially on his U.S. team, I, I don't know how to do it differently. <laughs> and so we've been focusing, uh, you know, on, on style and like how to help him um, 
still be who he is and not uh, take away from, you know, years of, of being who he is and his background and his culture and everything that he brings to the table, which is what partially makes him a great leader. Um, but helping him uh, uh, flex to also fit the style of his team or what his team needs from him. So I think if on the hiring side, if you focus on, are they able to demonstrate your values as a company and asking behavioral questions around values, then a style standpoint comes into play around how much is that person able to stretch and how much is the team able to stretch as well? And sort of what is that right balance? Uh, yeah, that's actually true. Uh, so I do agree with what you all mentioned, uh, Karen, right? Uh, so uh, in, in uh, when you're looking at it that way, right? So um, do you, uh, you did mention about uh, this particular manager having been uh, accustomed to having this uh, certain management style, right? Mm-hmm. And at this uh, point of time, I think a lot of people, especially the Gen Z, uh, do not appreciate, uh, if you look at the leadership style, right, there's transactional mm-hmm. leadership, and then there's this thing called transformational, right? So yep. uh, here, right now, I think the management style of people uh, that it, the transactional leadership is moving to transformation, and that's what people yes. want. Uh, because uh, millennials and Gen Z, uh, the new generation of uh, workforce are kind of inclined to that because they don't want people to go and tell them hey do this uh okay. instead uh conversations like uh, okay do you think you can do this or uh i have this problem can i can you give me some suggestions and then you get those suggestions and like hey do you think you can do this for me instead of like asking them or commanding them to do it right so yes. that's actually a big change right and um uh, especially for the older folks who are not accustomed to that uh do you do some sort of training? You didn't mention that you do it, but uh, are, are those trainings very effective as such? Yeah, it's a great point. I personally have not tied it to generations or uh, globe, uh, places you know across the globe or whatever. And I focus more on the individual, and, and that's just my just personal piece of it. Um, is what is what does this person need out of you as a manager? How does this person like to work? How does this person get feedback? And so um, knowing that about your team, the reason why could be generation or, you know, whatever, but um, focusing more on like, what does this person need for me? Because I was working with another manager who is very big on empowerment. Like I want my team to come up with the answer. I want my team to figure it out. I think that's like a plus of working for me is like they get that ability to do that versus to your point, like me dictating the answer. But there are times when either you have more junior people who don't know the answer yet and have no clue. And so you need to help them through it. Or there are times where even in the most collaborative company, the business has a point of view. And so if you don't share that ahead of time, the person is like flailing in the wind, trying to get to an answer when you know what the answer needs to be and you're not telling them. And so, you know, understanding what will still motivate someone based on that scenario, but what do they need out of you? You know, how much empowerment can you give them and how much do they maybe need a little guidance? And, and that's okay. So I think for me, it ties back to their style versus your style and how you can kind of meet in the middle and understanding what's important to that individual from feedback, motivation, recognition, all those things. Uh, yeah, uh, I think that that, that 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 does make sense. Uh, so, um, just 
wanted to put in all the points that I had. We spoke about this, this different leadership style, different ways people uh, work or, or like new managers. We spoke about uh, my breaks and desk and being an introvert or uh, not having people skills, right? So when there is so much of variables in, in a person, right? Uh, yeah. uh, the leadership development program or the manager development program uh, that you have in your organization should be very flexible right uh, so I uh, in my mind I kind of feel like um, the program would have different modules right okay. Uh, where okay there's this module this module this module so is there a way that you can assess that person to understand them and then cater the program saying that hey for this person you're going to have to do this module this module this module is it mm-hmm. something that organization do is it something that you do yeah it's it's not it's it's something i do in the sense of i will direct them to something specific if i think that's where they need the most help I usually have everyone kind of attend everything um, because even even people who quote unquote know how to hire could always take a refresher and and learn something new, especially again, because that peer conversation is part of it. So they're not just hearing it from me. Otherwise I could just record a video. Um, I want the conversation. So everyone can always learn from different conversations. Um, But there are definitely things where I go, hey, you know, if you need a little help here, let me direct you to this thing as additional support or like, let's have a one-on-one specifically on that topic. Um, I do think there are plenty of great learning management systems where you can have all that available and specifically point them to that. And based on the 360 or based on, you know, assessments that you have throughout your organization, you may identify that there are some things that you want them to have like extra homework with or or extra credit or start with or something like that. Um, So that could also come through in the 360 uh, as well as as if you see different things um, that are coming through stronger than other topics. For for me, especially because I tend to think about this from like someone who's never been a manager before, they, they're learning everything from scratch. Even if they were on an interview team, they haven't been the hiring manager before, which is very different. So I tend to take them through everything so that they get all the, the skills needed. And then we can always revisit things if, if there was an area that they needed more help with. Yeah, yeah, that, that makes sense, Karen. I just wanted to uh, touch base on uh, 360, right? So yeah. talk about doing 360. I think that's a pivotal uh, thing for measuring the success of the program mm-hmm. as well. Maybe you know, a key factor as well. Uh, one of the key factors. Um, so when you finish a 360 assessment, um, do you just send the report? You get a report at the end, right? You yeah. get a detailed report uh, of that individual. Mm-hmm. Do you just send it out directly or do you like say, hey, let's have a meeting and let's just discuss this together. Is that something that you do or you just like randomly shoot it out? Hey, look, at this is your 360, just <laughs> go through it and feel, like, yeah. feel whatever that you want to do, right? Uh, yeah. How do you feel about it? I usually meet with them first and then give it to them. Now, talking about like different styles and everything, there are some folks that that meeting may only be 10 minutes because they need to read through it and really digest it and really take it away. But I want to at least give them some headlines and some framework before they read it. 
um, you know, this is personal stuff. This is feedback on you as a manager, which often feels very personal. So I want to at least meet with them and say, Hey, here are some of the key takeaways that I've started to see really strong in these areas opportunities in here, you know, you had some, you know, not all your direct reports did it, or I don't know, whatever sort of story has started to come from it. Mm-hmm. And then, then have them take it away. And like I said, maybe that's just 10 minutes for the person that needs to really read through it first. Other ones want to go through it with me. And it's an hour because we actually go through it together and then they take it away and read it. So it's different for different people, but I do feel like just emailing it to them gives them a ton upfront without any context. And again, especially new managers, they may never have gone through something like this before. So they don't know how to sort of think through it. Um, so those are some, they start, uh, you know, looking for things in it or trying to figure out who everyone is. So, so an initial meeting first, I think is helpful, even if it's a, just a short, quick one. No, uh, uh, yeah. Speaking of which, right. Uh, do you get a lot of resistance from people saying that, Hey, I don't agree with this. Hey, I don't agree with that. Uh, because, uh, you know, uh, I am assuming new managers, they will have a lot of feedbacks from their reportees. Right. And uh, so uh, there must be a lot of, uh, I'm not too sure. I would say bad blood, but no, but uh, uh, sort of like uh, feeling uh, betrayed when they read some of the comments, right. Uh, because, uh, do you get that a lot? Um, sometimes if it's, if it's harsher, for sure. Um, I think more what I see is managers trying to contextualize it. Well, it was probably because this was happening or, well, you know, that person just, you know, cares more about that or something like, it. I don't want to use the word excuses, but they try to like create the story around the feedback. And I always say, look, you're right. That's their perception. That's them reacting in the moment. However, it was important enough to them that they included it in this survey. So while the context is helpful, if you were in that meeting again, what would you do differently? So that person walked out feeling differently. And sometimes there's nothing you can do and there's just a disconnect and that's a different conversation to to kind of figure out separately. Um, But I often try to encourage them I get that you may not agree or you see it from a different perspective or whatever thing they're trying to say, um, but how, how can we see it from their perspective? Because at the end of the day, you're in a relationship with this person and you don't want them feeling that way. Yeah, uh, that's true. That's true. So when you have that conversation, right, um, I think our managers or people who are you're having the conversation, when they see that the report is not as good as they expected right mm. do they uh, most probably they'll feel kind of like hey uh, is this going to be affecting my appraisals is it going to be affecting yeah. my career is it going to be am i going to be chucked out of my job uh, because yeah. of this <laughs> how, how do you as a business partner ensure that they feel secure right yeah That's a great question. I think, first of all, that's why the self-score is so important um, because you will see how big those gaps are. So as you prepare to have that conversation and deliver this feedback, you'll know what you're walking into basically. Um, So that I think, do you think that's really helpful? And I think before you ever start the 360 as a business, uh, you know, what do you use 360s for as an HR partner? How are you explaining what the 360 is so that yes, as a human, of course, if I get some tough results, I will be worried about my brand and, and my performance. But if, if you've said up front, 
this is a development tool. This is something we're using as a baseline for your development. We know you're a new manager. We know there are going to be gaps. That's why we're doing this is to help you fill those gaps mm -hmm. versus you give it to a bad performer who you then use as feedback against that bad performer and then fire said bad performer. That's not what you, I personally believe that's not what you want the 360 to be. It should be a development tool. So yes, of course, there's still the human reaction of, Ooh, that was really harsh. I hope this doesn't hurt me too much. But if you've branded it as a development tool, mm -hmm. hopefully that removes at least the initial concern about like, Oh, does this now mean I'm fired or I won't get a raise or whatever. Yeah, that that does make sense, uh, Karen. I think um, I am out of questions now. I yeah. <laughs> but I could actually ask more, but uh, I just want to uh, look at the time here. Right? Yeah. So, uh, is it okay if we can wrap up the meeting? Karen, do you have anything else to add? Uh, if you have, you can uh, say something if you want to add to it. No, I, I think it's great. I really appreciate the conversation. I loved all the different places it went. Um, I think my biggest takeaways are just, you know, try something. I know, especially if you're on a smaller HR team, this feels daunting. So it can be manager roundtables to start with. Mm -hmm. um, so, but just build out something and try it and see how it goes. And, and just remember these new managers, what they, what got them here is not the thing that's going to help them be successful moving forward. This is a whole new job for them. Um, and so we really just need to carve out the time and help them in whatever way makes sense for your organization. Perfect. Uh, I couldn't wrap it up more better <laughs> than that. <laughs> so thank you so much, Karen. Thank you for your time. And thank you yeah. for this incredible session. So yeah.